Hey friends, welcome to the Kids Ministry Circle podcast. Kids Ministry Circle is a community for kids ministry leaders to be encouraged and equipped to love and serve the local church. I'm your host, Lauren Jackson, and today's episode is a conversation that I'm sure many of us are thinking through. I invited my friend Heidi Hensley to join me on the podcast to talk about a recent conversation that we had over Facebook. Yes, we had a conversation over Facebook. You'll hear about the question that Heidi asked to all of her friends. And so we talk about it. We talk about how kids ministry and family ministry leaders are constantly walking the tension of church and culture. How much do we or should we engage with the culture as the local church? Or should we use culture or extra things to attract new kids and families? Heidi and I have an honest conversation about how we are processing this because we are still processing it. There are a number of different views around this topic and ours are just two of them. I think the questions we are asking are important and will hopefully invite you to think about them too. But before we jump into the conversation with Heidi, I want to remind you that the registration for our summer intensive program is still open. Our summer intensive is a six-week program designed to help you focus on the foundations of kids ministry, grow in confidence as a leader, and prepare you for the next season of ministry. If you find yourself stumbling into fall launch, the summer intensive is a perfect way to help you set goals, think strategically, and kick off the fall season more organized and with a clear vision and mission in mind. You can head over to kidsministrycircle.com slash summer to sign up. Spots are limited, so don't wait. Now, on to my conversation with Heidi. Heidi, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad to be with you. Yay. Okay. Why don't you start off the podcast by telling us a little bit about yourself? Tell us how you got into the world of kids ministry and talk to us about where you are serving now. Yeah. I got into the world of kids ministry as a student leader, funny enough. Um, I was 14 years old and I had a little woman who she was 85, I think, found me in church one day and pulled me in and she said, you need to learn how to teach Sunday school to three-year-olds. And I was 14 and looked at her like she was crazy. And she said, my generation is not going to be here forever. And it's time for you to step it up. And I was like, oh, okay. And I followed her to a Sunday school classroom and was there every Sunday until I got married. And I married a senior pastor. And the first 10 years of our marriage, um, kids ministry was one of those things I did kind of because I knew how, because of what she had shown me over the Mm -hmm. years, but also by default, because we were in these little tiny churches and they had nothing for kids. So it was more of a, we needed something. So I thought, well, I know how to do that and we'll, I'll do that. And, you know, over the years, the, the calling was clear on my life that that was exactly what was supposed to happen. Violet should have pulled me into a classroom. Um, yeah, and it's been it's been a year of learning and a year of learning into twenty seven of them, and now I'm a next gen pastor at Skyline Church in San Diego, California. Yeah, that's awesome. I love. That. I don't can't. I can't believe I haven't heard that story. Really? Yeah. <laughs> no, that is so funny, and <laughs> I feel like I have so many questions because a lot of times, uh, pastors' wives, that's like their default is to be like, oh. Your pastor is a senior pastor. Here you go. Here's kids ministry. So I would love, like, give me like a snapshot of like, how was that balance for you as pastor's wife, but also like feeling this, 
desire and call to serve in kids ministry and actually really loving it? What did that look like for your family in those beginning years? Well, I got married really young. So first of all, I was a 18 year old pastor's wife. So that was in itself, like I kind of fit in the kids ministry, let's be honest. Yes. Um, (laughs) So I stepped in and I think because it was something I knew how to do, I have an incredible mom who has incredible testimony. Um, She was a kindergarten teacher and everything we did in our family was kind of wrapped around either church or, or what mom did because kindergarten teachers bring work home. And so Mm -hmm. some of that, that history was built into me. Um, When it came to the church, I think from a very young age, I recognized that if you wanted to connect with young families, you had to connect with children. That was, and that was Mm -hmm. our desire. The church that we stepped into right after being married, um, this little tiny country church in Exeter, California. Um, You've probably never heard of that, Um, but it's just east of Visalia in the middle of a whole bunch of orange trees. And we wanted young families. There were, I think, 28 people there when we got there, and they were all over the age of 70. And so we thought, how do we get young families? We do great things for kids. And so that that was the default. I think the vision yeah. for it was bigger. The vision was families, not necessarily just kids. And that's primarily where my heart has been, is the family with the focus on the kid. Um mm-hmm. As we as we ventured through that and grew, my husband was able to be because again it's small church. Um, my husband was able to be per- participating in a lot of things that we did. So mm-hmm. Sunday school I did, but we did somehow we got into it was a total god thing. We got an invitation from the city uh, to do a citywide VBS, and I'm like, I'm the kids pastor of like nine kids. Sure, why not? We'll do it and he and I looked at each other like, let's do it. And so we pulled in a meeting of all the churches, ended up doing a VBS with 500 kids at an elementary school. (gasps) And it was incredible. Oh Um, my goodness. People wanted to know how they could help. They wanted to help send kids to camp. There were all these people who came around it. And I got to see the heart that people actually have when they understand the mission of bringing families Mm -hmm. to Christ. And it's a very different take. I know you. I know I've heard you say several times. You know, don't beg people to serve in children's ministry. Don't beg them to be involved. And I felt like that was right out of the gate. Something that um, really pulled in the mission. The mission was the focus. Um, through the years, we had we had moments where the mission was super clear, and we wanted to send all of our kids to camp later at a smaller church and. This guy came forward and he was, why don't you raffle off a car? I'm like, that'd be great. I don't have a car. And he was, I'll give you one. And he gave me this like antique Mercedes Benz. We sent kids to camp. We paid the bill for camp for as many kids that wanted to go for almost 10 years. And (gasps) (laughs) and it was Oh my goodness. I understood. He got the message and he wanted to be part of it. And he was like, you know, I get a tax deduction and you get camp and this is great. And it's, it's just been in recent years that that, that church has gone back to having to raise funds for camp. But you know, all that to say the way it affected our marriage, the way it affected our ministry, I think it was awesome. It was a growth point for me for sure. And it was in there that, so I, my, my plans were to become a physical therapist. I really wanted to be an athletic physical therapist for a professional team. 
that was like my goal in life. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I had some scholarships to Fresno state to go do physical therapy. Um, and after a couple years in, um, we had had our first child. So again, just early in marriage discovered that I was pregnant. And after our first year of marriage, I had our first child and all of a sudden the idea of traveling with a professional team and doing this, like it just wasn't appealing anymore. I had a mm-hmm. baby yep. and I began to really just ask God, like, what, what do, what do you have for me? And I remember mm-hmm. going and looking at things that I felt like would be challenging, like, like adult ministry and women's ministry and all these things. All the while, I am perfectly happy and content doing children's. And I remember sitting outside of CPC one year. I was in San Diego and I sat outside and was sitting at a table and it was like, it was like, God was like, duh, like you're doing it. Just keep doing it. Yep. And I was like, oh, Oh, okay. I can do that. <laughs> it really was a blonde aha moment. And, yep. you know, after that little taste of clarity, um, I had been serving in kids or leading kids as a kids director, kids pastor at that point by like 10 to, 10 to 11 years. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until that far in that I didn't feel like I needed to be thinking about the next thing or doing the next thing. I had perfect clarity that I was exactly where I was supposed to be and doing what I was supposed yeah. to do. And that was the year that my husband actually made um, the change. So he's no longer a senior pastor. He went into police work and we went into the church the way we did um, because of him. And I'm still yeah. there. I'm, I mean, we're both still there. He's still at right. church. He now works at church. He's a retired police officer and and does our safety ministry but but it's been almost 28 years of of kids ministry kids and families that's that's what owns my heart yeah that's awesome i love that so much yeah okay so one of the reasons why i thought to myself well there's many reasons why i wanted you to be on the podcast but one of them is because you posted a super interesting question on facebook a couple weeks ago That got a little bit of traction. There was some conversation in it, and it was kind of around this tension of, of using, I'll use the word like cultural artifacts. So things yeah. that you see in culture that are well known amongst believers and non believers, but using those cultural artifacts to bring people to church in hopes that they'll stick around to kind of hear the gospel. Now, I want to know, like, back us up. What. <laughs> What made you think about this question? What brought you to be like, I'm going to send this out to the Facebook world. Kind of give us some back-end insight into kind of why you are seeing this in kids' ministry, what brought the question to your attention, and maybe like what have you learned by reading all of those comments? Mm-hmm. So it's twofold. First, if, you have, <laughs> if you've ever sat with me, if you've ever had a conversation with me, I like to talk about anything and everything. Like I'll talk to a brick wall. We'll have great coffee. It's going to be fine. <laughs> it's true. You know, it's true. And when it came to that, now, if you really want to like make my heart sing, we banter ministry and it's not necessarily the things we agree or disagree on. It's how, it's how I process. And so understanding mm-hmm. it's going to help me understand kids. It's going to help me understand you as a leader. And I feel like I mean, the conversation is endless. So I thought I was, I was just having a social day one day and thought, you know, I'd love to hear perspective on this. And where it came from was I was doing some research for 
what what people were doing for VBS. I feel like in the VBS world, there's lots of themes you can buy into. You can write your own stuff. And I was doing a whole bunch of research going, what are people doing this year? And I got onto mm-hmm. this church's website or their Instagram. And there's a few churches I'll follow and some I'll just like follow through leaders and stuff like that. And as I scrolled through their Instagram, I would have never, I would have never guessed I was on a church page. And I hate to say Mm. that because it sounds derogatory. I don't mean it that way. Um, But everything, every post I found was in a, a post to grab attention or attraction. And it had either a Disney thing in it or a special, you know, like you said, a cultural feature, um, some different things like that. It was primarily Disney. And I thought, interesting, you know, they're pulling people in and there was like a super Mario Sunday and that's what it was called. And I thought, I wonder if that, I wonder what people, you know, whose voices I value in ministry, um, would, how they would respond to that. And so I, I sat there and I, I told her I carefully worded that question because for me, it's interesting. It's not necessarily like a judgment piece. It may work some places. It may not others. I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. And so wording that question in a way that people felt like they could jump in no matter their take on it was important because right. I wanted it to be an open conversation. And I felt like it was. So I worded it carefully, posted it, and almost right out of the gate, there was somebody super conservative that was like, yeah, absolutely not. It's confusing. I don't know that I got to the bottom of what I asked in the question because the heart of that question for me was, are we, are we confusing the message of the gospel when we parallel it to uh, cultural iconic people or relevant things? Right. And it's, it's something that, you know, if you're listening to this and you're three years into ministry and you're like, yeah, I don't know, help me. You've done this for 27 years. I would love to help you. But the truth is, I'm, I'm not 100% sure I know. And so it, yeah. it for me, that's where the processing was. Um, yeah, so that was kind of the heart behind it. Yeah, that's awesome. I, one, I followed that and I like... I feel like before I commented, I waited, waited for other people to comment <laughs> because I was like, yes. I'm curious what other people think. And I do think that you worded it in a way that was very open because I love what you said of there's truth in the fact that sometimes this works and sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't. Yeah. And churches have to discern this for themselves. And even like as me and the church that I attend as we're thinking through VBS, like all like we're using Lifeways curriculum, the twists and turns, and there's a lot of cultural artifacts within board games and within yeah. video games. And so it's like, how do you balance that? Um, and one thing that you said about like, do we try and link the gospel story to culture? And I feel like, I don't know, I would be interested in what you think about this of sometimes kids ministry leaders or volunteers or really adults in general, they take the gospel story and they're like, okay, I have to simplify this enough so that kids can understand. And I have to link it to something that they know instead yep. of just letting the gospel f- speak for the for itself and just like laying out what the story is and then kind of letting it simmer a little <laughs> bit and like leaving space for questions instead of being like, okay, mm-hmm. now I have this big T truth over here and I need to link it to something that you may have seen on TV so that it makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? What are your thoughts on that? 
I, I totally agree. I mean, I mean, technically, find that all over scripture. It's a parable, right? It's right. it's it's Jesus simplifying things in their current culture to understand the message he's trying to bring them. Mm-hmm. Jesus did it. So why why would it be a problem? That's where where I get in trouble because I can play on both sides of this game. Um, totally. <laughs> this is what we're doing here. We're just chit chatting away. So I totally understand it, and I think that's why it was question was perplexing to me that morning because I'm like, as I'm typing the question, I'm like, no, absolutely. There's no way I should make Disney part of the gospel message. Absolutely not. And then you read a parable and he's like, he's taking something. He's taking how they work. He's taking, you know, the things that they interact with on a daily basis and turning it into a reflection of the gospel story. It's like, well, why couldn't I do that then? It's totally relevant. I think for me where, where I get in trouble and I, it's because children's ministry a really long time i think in ministry in general or a believer in general Mm -hmm. you begin to see the gospel in places you never expect to see it and it's just because it's what surrounds your heart and so i can be sitting in it and i'm a disney nerd and i struggle even with that because you know disney doesn't stand for everything i stand for but there really Mm -hmm. are some good things and i think walt was a wonderful creator and so as you as you sit back and you watch a disney movie and um you kind of see the parallels of that story. I feel like if you are a believer, you can kind of see the gospel in anything. I think for me, the biggest question is if I take something that was maybe even meant to not have a great message and I parallel it and I tell kids, you know, this is like, do they have, do they have the understanding or the ability to separate that and go, Disney wasn't trying to say that. It's just like it. Right. Or, or am I, am I in, and I think this was in the question, am I endorsing something? And right. I know there's a lot of people who have a lot of different takes on this con on this concept and topic, but I'm not a cancel culture person. I, I would rather be a light in a dark place. And sometimes that means talking about things that maybe you might lo- not love or allow your kids to participate in. But, mm-hmm. you know, what if there were more Christians present in that place? Would would it be a little bit lighter? And so I, I have a very different take on, on that piece. But, you know, it begs the question, does, for example, making a Super Mario Sunday, everything centered around it, and once they're there, you have a little snippet of the actual biblical intention in that hour, but everything else was Super Mario, and then they leave, was that a disservice? And that's, I think that's the part that I'm trying to get down to and understand. Um, I've done the superhero Sunday. I've done Disney princesses and all that kind of stuff. They've never come into the building. Like it's never been part Mm. of my teaching, but I use them to, like you said, attract because a family who may not be rooted in scripture or even Christian at that point in my community, they may love Ariel. That's probably a bad one yeah. to use because she was the least close. But <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but like the new movie's coming out, so it's like it's very current. Really cool. There's some really cool things about the new movie, I think, and there's some really neat things that you can play off in that. Um, and do you bring those characters in? And if you do, right. you know, are you are you 
placing the message? Are you connecting the message? Are you paralleling it? Or are they just a fun, iconic feature to have at your church because kids in the neighborhood know who they are and they're going to come? And yeah. I think that's, I think the biggest thing to process as a leader when you think through some of these things is what am I doing to the message I'm trying to create for, for families and kids mm-hmm. by including or incorporating this thing? I mean, I don't know. What do, yeah. what do you think when it comes to, to this piece? I think that's interesting. Uh, a couple of things come to mind is I love how you said that you've done all the things, mm-hmm. but they don't come into the message that's being spoken. And so like, I don't think having a superhero Sunday or a themed event or something like that is necessarily bad, but I do, I think the question that is really tricky is the endorsement piece Mm -hmm. of like, if you have Disney princesses standing outside your church, welcoming families, are you saying to families, Hey, I support you watching this video, which like, and then I think there's the flip side of, well, maybe this deters some families from coming Mm -hmm. to church because they don't want their kids to participate in what's happening on a Sunday. But then it also brings people in. Like I've had so many conversations over the years when we've done movie nights and I've had conversations with parents of like, Hey, they've said to me, Hey, we're not going to attend because we don't want our kids to watch that movie. And it's gut, it's like a gut punch of like, Oh man, like (laughs) I made the wrong decision. I'm so sorry. Like that's such a hard line to walk for families. And so it's like, what, it's like a yes and no. Like I think about trunk or treat is really like so many churches are yeah. doing trunk or treats and that's all cultural costumes in a lot of ways. And I know some people like really make a point to teach the gospel message. Some churches just have it as a community outreach event. And so I think it's deciding, okay, what's the purpose behind what's happening? Yeah. Is it just for fun Um, Like, is it a costume that they're playing games and they're doing fun things? And then maybe it's someone from the kids ministry staff or a a a pastoral presence. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but someone from the pastoral (laughs) staff comes and like then presents the gospel. Mm -hmm. And something that I often hear a lot, and even as a mom of a preschooler, is we talk a lot about what's real and what's not real. Yeah. And like Mickey Mouse and Paw Patrol are not real. But Jesus is real. And I think that can be really confusing for kids, especially Mm -hmm. if, like, I think, for example, maybe they'll use a certain character to that's in culture in a movie, in a TV show that, like, believes in Jesus. And you're like, I don't know if that's actually true. Like, you just don't know. Yeah. And so I think that's where it can get messy, especially I think the older kids I think it's easier for them to distinguish between, hey, the Bible is God's true word mm-hmm. and what's in the scripture is true. And Jesus was a true man and like actually walked the earth and all of those things. And then Mickey Mouse and Santa Claus and Paw Patrol are not real. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, I should, like, put a caution sign on this episode. Um, but I think it can be really tricky for those little ones who can't fully separate the two. And it's interesting. I mean, I, I mentioned 
mentioned that I've been in kids for a long time. This last year, this has been my first year as I've been in children and family ministries, but you know, the student's world is even very different for how we, Mm -hmm. because at that point you're not really dealing with, do they think it's real? You're dealing more so with, is it an endorsement? And this, this last year as a next gen pastor and to have being fully integrated into student ministry, that's been something, you know, all of a sudden you become keenly aware of the music you're playing in your youth group and the movies that you're, you know, talking about and endorsing and different things like that. And I asked some of the students this question and, and their take was, so so most of my high schoolers were like, no, we don't really think it's an endorsement. We think that it's just part of our culture, you know, just like, <laughs> they said, just because you were an 80s kid. And I'm like, wow, that feels old. <laughs> um, <laughs> just because you were an 80s kid, you know, and they rattled something off that I would know from the 80s. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I would have known what that was. But you know, in their minds, they're just taking part of their everyday in time. And I, and I asked them, I'm like, so when we do stuff at church? And they said, no. And then I had one high school senior girl and she looked at me and she goes, but here's the thing. She goes, that's everywhere we go. She goes, everywhere mm-hmm. I go, this is what the world is pushing at me. When I come to church, I need something different. I, I want godly things pushed at me. And I was like, oh. and it was such a moment where I'm like, wow. Oh my gosh. Yes. By all means. And so for her, it was like, it was kind of like, the only way I could parallel it is, you know, you, you did things a certain way at home. And I think this is dangerous territory because this is also where traditionalism and legalism comes in. But, Mm -hmm. but when you went to grandma's house, you expected it smelled a certain way. You expected some things to be in place at grandma's house. Not that the church equates grandma's house, but grandma's house is where you also feel safe and loved and where you belong. And no matter who you are, what you do, and that does parallel. And yeah, I think there are a lot of people that when it comes to their kids going to church, it's not necessarily that they're anti Disney and they're not coming to movie night because that mo- that movie's being shown. It's because they want it to be clear that this place is different than the world. Mm-hmm. And her statement, I mean, her statement just rocked me because I was yeah. like, this is a kid telling me this. And yeah, it really was that moment where I'm like, okay, I need to, that was probably the thing that shaped my perspective on this topic more than anything else. Mm-hmm. So it, it clarified to me that for kids, it might not be an endorsement, but it also might not be worth it. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, yeah. so it was a very different take on, on what could be there. I think everything you said, as far as, you know, watering the message down or, um, you know, confusing the gospel story. I think most leaders are wise enough not to do that. Yeah. Um, but, but the question completely turned from endorsement to me to, to, is it, is it something that I want to have present or should we help them understand? Because the reality is when they step into that sanctuary as an adult, as a young adult, or even as a student, none of those things are going to be present. And Mm -hmm. have we created a culture where kids feel like, the world needs to be brought in or worldly voices need to be brought in and I need to be entertained, which I know is a whole different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Totally different topic. Yeah. It it kind of in that, that framework. And, and so the ability to, 
feel different and look different and be okay with the fact that um, the Bible is enough, I think is something that I'm feeling a strong calling on my life um, mm-hmm. to still maintain a cultural relevance. Cause I do think that's important. We need to understand what kids are up against and what's being put in front of them. Totally. But to create a space that is um, really heavily focused on teaching them that the word is what we need. And mm-hmm. And Jesus is what we need um, is something I've become really strong about in the last month or so. Yeah. Yeah. I think I said this to you before we clicked record of sometimes people have this unmet expectation of things in culture that they should be Christian. Yes. And that is just not the reality. We see the things of culture moving further and further and further away from these biblical truths that we want to hold fast to as the church. And instead of the church saying, hey, we're going to hold fast to our Christian values, they continue to chase culture to try and use that as an attractive piece Mm -hmm. of like, hey, we think this is cool. And like, we're, I don't know, all these different things. But it's just that this idea of like culture will never be at least our culture today, I don't think will ever be Christian in the sense. I agree. Um, And so it's saying, okay, culture's over here. This is the time and place that God has put us on this earth to be a light, to share the gospel, to do all of these things, to impact culture and share our voice to continue to hope and pray that people come to know Jesus but we also have to hold fast to the biblical truths. And mm-hmm. I think that is, I just, I'm going to be thinking about what that girl said to you forever. <laughs> I think it's so, it's so true of like church feels a certain way. And, yeah. and I think sometimes kids ministry leaders want church to be super fun. And we do, we want church to be so fun. We want kids mm-hmm. to come back. I feel like more and more I'm hearing stories of, kids loving church and bringing their parents and generations being changed for the gospel. Mm-hmm. But it can be exciting without the culture piece. Yeah. And so I think that kind of leads into this next question that I had for you was like another ob- an obvious statement is God does not need us to do anything. He continues mm-hmm. to draw people to himself. Like he does not need us to do like all the fireworks and light shows and all of these things to bring people to him. He does that. We get to be a part of it and that's a gift for us to receive. But how over your many years of ministry, what has been successful ways that you have seen people or you yourself have invited new families to church? Like if there's a church leader listening and they're like, man, we just really need to reach our community and we want our church to grow how would you do that? How would you invite families to church? Yeah. So I think it was pre-podcast we were chatting and you mentioned that there was a woman who wanted to connect with her community, wanted to connect with uh, families, and she was meeting a physical need. She was taking food to an elementary school and connecting mm-hmm. with them. Um, it was it was funny that you were saying that because <clears throat> even talking early on in ministry where I was telling you, you know, we were just trying to get kids to camp. The mission was the core, um, the mission of reaching kids for Christ. And I think, I think sometimes we get lost in the Sunday. We get lost in 
executing a really fun, exciting Sunday. And we, I don't want to say we miss it, but sometimes I think we can miss it. And we yeah. focus in our, in our church bubble a little bit. And, and that's where we begin to reach for things that maybe don't fit or, you know, I'm doing all this work and why isn't it working? I'm spending so much budget money on this thing and it's not turning out any, you know, return. And I think if we continue to get back to the basic underlying mission, which is the gospel, but it's also through, I mean, anytime you look in scripture where Jesus is, is connecting He's usually doing something. He's either traveling somewhere, but he's also always meeting a need. And Mm -hmm. that need, especially what I have found to be, um, you know, I had, I had the blessing of growing up in a Christian home. My mom was the church pianist and she could death stare you anywhere in that sanctuary, get you back in line. You know, she, she didn't, she'd make a face at you, but you knew you were in trouble when you got home. Uh, (laughs) uh, I had that upbringing. I've had the privilege of raising my kids surrounded by ministry people and strong Christian people. Mm-hmm. And just the understanding that not everybody has that. There are, especially with my husband being a police officer, we have people that come and they show up at church and they're like, I've been in jail for 10 years. Um, I met Jesus there and I need to figure out how to be a parent. The, the world is throwing a lot of resources at our parents, telling them how to be an inclusive understanding all the mm-hmm. adjectives you can think of parent and none of them are God-given tools. The church, in my opinion, needs to come back. And this is what has pulled in almost any time I've done it. It has been the biggest return and the return that has stuck is when I meet the needs of parents, um, which is teaching them how to discipline their kids. We did a parenting night, um, a couple months ago that was talking to your kids about biblical sexuality that packed out the house. You know, we brought mm-hmm. in some psychologists and did stuff like that of faith and just had a great talk. But as we've done those things, as, as parents have come in and discovered that, yeah, we're going to have fun. We're going to have snacks. We're going to do all the crazy things. But in the meantime, I'm going to help you be a better parent the way God says you should be a better parent. And I'm going to teach you how to disciple your kids and read the Bible with them. And I'm going to teach you how to pray with your kids because that's scary for a new Christian with an 11 year old, you know, things like mm-hmm. that and understanding those needs as we have done that. Those are the families that stick. Those are the families that don't yeah. just show up, but they stick. And yeah. I think as you do that, it's going to be great if you can have some fun, colorful things to accompany it. But as you meet the ki- the needs of those kids and those parents, I mean, that's where ministry happens. I think we know that. Mm-hmm. We we have down here in Southern California, schools are on fire right now. We don't know why. Well, we know why because of the gospel. But our high school pastor and our middle school pastor on my team um, have just have had this reignited, you know, belief in school clubs. And this past school year, we saw 99 students, one away, we have one more club, 99 students give their life to Christ at a public (gasps) middle school and high school. And it's like, oh, what? my goodness. And do you know what we did? We showed up. We came, we brought pizza, and we sat with some high schoolers at a lunch break, and we talked about God. That's that's all we did. There was no program. There was no fame, nothing. And... I think we are living in a generation where if you were a 90s kid, you recognize it. Like I call it the double dare era. 
where everything had slime and confetti and it was like big and loud. And, and we're entering into this season where people know they're missing something and they can't necessarily put their finger on it. And when you show them what they're missing is Jesus, all of a sudden Mm -hmm. it opens up this new world and people are longing for, I mean, you know, research tells you you're living in the most disconnected era we've ever lived in with the most Mm -hmm. offering of connection when yeah. you stop, sit down, put away all the gimmicks and connect, that's where we're seeing the most. So I would tell you, if you're a new leader and you're like, I need to build this ministry. I have 12 kids. What do I do? Get into your schools, ask to start a school club, stop by Domino's or little Caesars, pick up a $5 take and bake or whatever. Well, don't mm-hmm. take it and bake it, but you know what I mean? Pick up a pizza, head to your school, <laughs> sit and have some yeah. conversations with kids learn about them, learn about what they're going through. They're going to blow your mind with what they're facing in their world. Pray with them, mm-hmm. teach them who Jesus is. The other thing is offer some stuff to your parents. And if you need something fun and, you know, outside the box, do that. Don't be afraid to right. use some of your cultural pieces. Just make sure you're not paralleling it too far with the gospel that it's confusing or watered down. Um, but, yeah. but if you, I would say meeting needs is probably your number mm-hmm. one game changer that as your church grows in size, you will find it gets harder to do because there's more people. But yeah. if you can maintain your focus there, that's, that's where, that's where it's at. Did yeah. that answer your question? I, <laughs> no, I think it's great. And I think uh, like to, to highlight like the kids ministry side of this, like some people, some elementary schools are like, no, like you can't come in and that's okay. It's summer break. And so what if you showed up to a park every Thursday morning and brought a cooler of popsicles? Like something like that. And I know this is this can be tricky because sometimes kids ministry leaders are parents and sometimes they're not. And I feel like I've had so many conversations with the, those leaders who are not parents and they say, what value can I bring? Yeah. And I always remind people of like, you have ears, you can listen. Like, you don't have to show up with all of this experience and all of this knowledge about parenting. You own the fact that you're not a parent and you show up where parents can't. You Mm -hmm. show up and you invite yourself to dinner. You show up to a park on Thursday and you have no kids to run around with. And so you get to sit with the moms and ask the Mm -hmm. questions of like, what are you experiencing? How's your summer going? How can the church support you? What do you need help navigating? Like all of those questions that you can ask and then you just listen. And I'm sure there are things like kids ministry leaders are experts in teaching kids about Jesus. I think they are, whether you have one year of experience or 20 years of experience, like you just know what it looks like to teach kids about Jesus. And Mm -hmm. there's more you can offer than you think. And, and so I think that's one really easy way to connect with people. Maybe you can't connect with a one-year-old. But yeah. maybe you can connect with a mom. And I think sometimes in this conversation about inviting people to church, you undervalue the relationship piece. Mm-hmm. You undervalue mm-hmm. of just asking your neighbor to show up to church and here they come on Sunday. Like there's nothing happening. They just show up and you're like, uh, <laughs> this is just a normal Sunday. And there, here you are, because I asked you. And I think sometimes people get really in this culture of 
you believe whatever you want to believe and don't push your truth on me. Mm-hmm. I feel like people back away from wanting to ask the question to just invite people to church. And I think we should go back to that. I think we should engage <laughs> more in that conversation. And I think that's true. I think relationships are the key to continue. I mean, hello, we we see that all throughout scripture of people going and being with people and sharing the gospel that way. And it's just like, sometimes you don't need all the extra things. Yeah. You let the gospel fe- speak for itself and you build intentional, authentic relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's usually a good mix of the two. <laughs> it's a great mix. I think pairing pairing with that really fast is, um, I think you had a, had a question in there that was, you know, if, if there's one thing, um, in, in parallel with that, in, in connection with that, um, making sure that you know your audience, you know, when, when mm-hmm. you see, when you see Jesus go and meet the needs of people, he taught fishermen how to fish. That was not by chance. He knew who they were. He knew what they did. Yeah. And whether you are offering a parenting course, whether you are offering popsicles in a park, whatever, understanding the demographic of where your church is located and who you have access to. I did like the unthinkable this year after my first year at Skyline, I killed VBS and it's like, Oh, what? Oh my gosh. I did it because it wasn't meeting a need. There's yeah. I think we did the research. There's like 67 VBSs in a 20 mile circle or something like that down here. But what I know is in Southern California, most households have two working parents and there's not a place that is safe and, and Bible filled Mm -hmm. for a kid to go while their parents at work. So I swapped my VBS for a nine week all day summer program. And it's where we were at a waiting list almost immediately because parents, it was a need. And so understanding, and I know, I absolutely know, there's so many parents on this list that I don't know the names of, or personally, and I know that this is going to be fruitful, because we met a need and and paired it with um, our resources instead of just doing what everybody else is doing. Our pastor loves to tell you, find what everybody is not doing and do that. And (laughs) (laughs) that's great. (laughs) It's awesome. Great strategy. And so that's, that's what I'm doing. And it's, yeah, it's been responded to great so far. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that so much. Um, okay. So the last question always, we always ask, which I feel like this whole conversation was such great, just <laughs> knowledge and things to think about for new leaders. But if you were talking to someone brand new in kids ministry, what would be your words of encouragement or advice? Words of encouragement or advice. Um, words of encouragement is it's, it's hard no matter what year of ministry you're in, period. Mm. I mentioned I've done it for 27 years. I made a I made a big shift a year ago and stepped out of just kids into next gen. And there's days that I feel like I am back to year one of doing ministry. And you know, the world, the economy, every the culture. <clears throat> I think COVID was a great example of this. Um, where it takes you back to a moment where things feel foreign and you're having to relearn mm-hmm. everything. And, yeah, you know, use that as a season to grow and know that everybody sometimes lives there. And so don't be discouraged by that. Don't be discouraged by not knowing what you don't know. Um, because there's mm-hmm. so many leaders like myself, like Lauren, like, you know, Chuck from Lifeway, they're, they're all over the place. 
go find them and let them encourage you because conversations like this are what we love to do. And conversations like this are where you grow. So don't, don't be, don't be set back by feeling like you don't know what you're doing in the moment. Um, and then what was it? It was encouragement and what? (laughs) And advice. I mean, that's kind of advice too. Yeah. But advice is also always be a student. One of the things Mm -hmm. I respected the most of my mom when she was kindergarten teacher and she did other things later in life, but she always maintained the ability to be a student. I mean, even now I'm sitting here, you probably don't hear it. There's a buzz outside my window. My parents are retired. They live on our property and my dad will learn something new constantly. He's out there learning how to use a lathe and make table legs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's hilarious. The same is true in ministry. The desire to constantly learn something new is what will grow you. It's also what will Mm -hmm. keep you in touch with current, um, just current events and what kids are facing. I think the worst thing we can do in ministry is we can do something well and then get stuck there. Because then all of a sudden you bring your head up out of that bubble and you're like, whoa, everybody moved on. And so the ability to just like always be a student in the Bible, Mm -hmm. in culture, in something new, learn yeah, your community and just fun, learn something new. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably my best advice. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that so much. Uh, Well, Heidi, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was so fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Friends, I don't know about you, but I almost feel like I left that conversation with more questions than answers. And it is a topic that I've been thinking about for days after chatting with Heidi. But it's true that conversations like this is what help us grow as leaders, right? Maybe you haven't thought about these questions at all, or maybe your staff is knee deep in this conversation right now. Whatever it may be, we can always be assessing our programs, our processes, our ministries, our events, our Sunday mornings, and make changes as we learn and grow as leaders. Heidi's encouragement at the end was such a good reminder to all of us, never stop learning. So let's keep the conversation going. Let's keep learning alongside each other. So feel free to head over to the Kids Ministry Circle social media pages on Instagram and Facebook at Kids Ministry Circle to share what you're learning and tell us how you are processing these questions. As always, we love that you listen and that you are a part of the Kids Ministry Circle family. And we'll see you next time.